punters and welcome to Inside 50. What a star-studded edition we've got. The Carlton legend, 278 games, a premiership medallion, Anthony Kudafidis. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be here, boys. And not only have we got two superstar players, we now have two superstar players and a superstar coach. Because Shane Crawford... You've done the impossible. Walk us through your weekend. Um, well, yes, you're talking about the Ardmona Bushcats. Firstly, great to see Cuda, and uh, I've just signed him up for a match <laughs> at the Ardmona Bushcats, which is even better. I didn't know but, about that one, but yeah, no, <laughs> looking forward to it, Croft. Um, but uh, no, yes, we had our very first win in, um, what was it, 2,121 days. So, So how long was it? 2,121 days. Makes sense and its finals drought look good. <laughs> <laughs> How much by, Croft? How much did you win by? Uh, we, we won by like 120 points. What? Yeah, yeah. We, oh, it was um, a big turnaround. What did you do? You get a few points. Well, we or? just, like, no, no, no. The thing is, um, it's just getting all your players at once because in this league, you know, players are getting married, players are working, families, all sorts of things. So it's a bit of a juggle. But um, no, this has been about the locals trying to get better, trying to get fitter. And it's taken them a little, a few matches just to get into gear. And then all of a sudden, you know, we had uh, big Bo Jackson who played in the ruck, big indigenous boy, six foot six, 160 kilo. And he pushes forward, he kicks six goals, you know, and he's been a part of that club for a long 160 time. 160 kilos. Yep, and Tim Keegan is the uh, he's been the coach over the last few years. He's just tried to save the club because the club was uh, virtually out of breath. And um, so over the last six years, he's forty years of age. I watched him play his very last game when they cheered him off and retired because he thought that's it. He was um, he lost that game by fifty two goals, oh. and that's when I thought, oh, you can't finish your career on a loss like that. So I, I tried to talk him out of it. You know, so I said, mate, stay around. We'll try and get the club, you know, performing a bit better. I can't promise miracles. And then um, to see him kick a couple of goals, he's a backman. So he snuck forward and he kicked a couple of goals. And, you know, he was highly emotional after the game. But over the last six years, you got to love this, Quinny. He has averaged, per loss, 300 points a game. For six years. Jeez, hey, Quinn, he'd be feeling well, wouldn't he, really? Six <laughs> years, he's never won. Super six coach years. comes along and what you're trying to that? tell me he was happy, Crawford, after that win. <laughs> he was, yeah. His coaching, that's it. He's done and dusted with his coaching. Well, well that, yeah. So, uh, so no, it was, it, was a, it was a good weekend, a feel-good weekend for everyone involved. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to back up this weekend. <laughs> now, a lot of players would have played in their first win. A lot of players who yes. had won previously. It's obviously a hell of a long time between drinks. What was the emotion like for the players and the spectators after the game? Well, there was, yeah, there was lots of tears, you know, and I was just trying to, like, I just felt proud for them because, um, you know, there was a lot of players in there who've been a part of the team for a long, long time and to finally win. The reserves won the first time in six years. Jesus. The seniors won. And there was a 99-year-old guy who comes to training on Tuesday, Thursday. His name's Glenn. They brought him out of the nursing home and he goes to every game. And he obviously hasn't seen, he's been a part of Ardmona forever, but uh, he hadn't seen them win for six years and 99 years of age, you know. So um, every player went over, shook his hand, gave him a cuddle, brought him in to sing the song. And, you know, they're they're moments that you'll never forget. Like, uh, that's what I said to, uh, to the team. You'll never forget this moment, you know, coming together. And, and it's amazing what happens when everyone understands their role and what they need to do. And you kick a few goals. Like, we'd only kick three goals all year. Like, I mean, not all year, but that we couldn't kick any more than three goals a game. 
we get the ball down and we'd be okay at times, but we just and then in the first quarter we kicked eight goals. Jeez. I'm like, oh no! And then I started to panic because I'm thinking, oh, I don't think we can hang on because of our fitness. Our fitness, we need crew to fit down there <laughs> because our, we are lacking no, a lot of fitness. Mate. But it's amazing what happens when you kick a few goals. You start to believe a bit. You run a bit faster when you want to. You kick the ball a bit better, and um, yeah, it just kept just kept raining goals. So that was good. Uh, but I must say, the opposition they were wounded. They were heavily wounded. They. Um, I wanted to ask about that, Corf. How did that well, stack up? No, well, to the, the other thing teams? is, they, they they were sort of probably on par the way they've been performing. But um, they they had a couple of injuries early, and there's only three on the bench. Um, so twenty minute quarters plus time on. So sometimes the quarters can go forever. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden they were really low on the bench, and so they had a lot of excuses. So I think we took advantage of that, and um, as a matter of fact, some of our players actually felt sorry for the opposition, and I said, do you realise what's been happening for six years? (laughs) I said, everyone's been laughing at you, you've been embarrassed, and now you're feeling sorry for the opposition. This is not a time to feel sorry for the opposition. Feel proud, and let's get on with it. Cooter, footy legend in the mm. 90s and noughties, and you came up against the great man Shane Crawford mm. multiple times. One what are your memories greats. of playing against Hawthorne when the chirpy little number nine was in action? It was always He he was always a threat. Crawford was always the man. And even Lekas at one stage, Angelo Lekas was a terrific player, but Crawford was the man. Just his running ability, skill, just, you know, always found that ball. And uh, he was an incredible player, and honestly, not to, just because he's sitting here, but Brownlow medalist, as we know, but just had a phenomenal year that year also. But... Just a gun player, but great on and off the field. Like, played fair. wasn't one of those dirty players. He's just a guy that just, I think, loved footy going out there and just showing his true skill. And tell, Crawford, what was it like playing against Cooter? Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> hey, what about the patch that he had where uh, he'd run, carry the ball in one hand? and um, Yeah, he was the pin-up boy everywhere, you know, on the field, off the field. Um you know, when we play the Blues, the Blues had us done and dusted for a long time. You know, Craig Bradley, Brett Ratton, Cooter, Chris Stu, um, McKay, it, it, it just went on and on. So, um, yeah, no, I, I I used to get a little jealous of the Blues because of, you know, just the, the cult following they had from a fan point of view and just how passionate they were. So it was always good fun. And then, obviously, I got to know Cooter a little bit. Uh, we used to do a a men for all seasons calendar, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Just I got to meet Cooter. Um, I think we'd get a thousand bucks, and we thought that was fantastic. So we'd go and rip our gear off and take photos, and um, and they'd make calendars out of them. And then we'd actually hit the country circuit and some of the nightclubs in the city and do boxer short par- parades, <laughs> Quinny. Now that's the Cooter's just going. Oh, please don't bring that up. But yes. but that's the way it was. We had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of respect, and what an athlete! Like he was an athlete. He was fantastic. You know, from from a hurdling point of view, but also you know over a short distance from a running point of view. But he was the very first athlete that really turned into the very best footballer they had. Like that patch that he had. What year was that? Was that ninety? So after you won your Brownlow. Was it two thousand? Yeah. Was it two thousand? Like the the patch that he had two thousand was, you know, that was Dustin Martin material um, there for a moment until he was injured. So um, you'll never forget it. Playing against him, we we're always, you know, Wayne Carey, like you're always super scared of what was going to happen, and especially once they started running, and you could see 
the Greek Adonis <laughs> up and about. It was, uh, it was pretty scary. Now, you say you both got your kid off for the 1000 I don't reckon you would have needed money to have done it. I think if they had said there's an audience there for you both, here we go. No, Kuda was all about the money. Yeah. Um, I, I was a country kid, so I was all about a drink yeah. card. Yeah. <laughs> nah, Crawford was good fun on those trips. They were funny, weren't they? They were great little trips. It was a great time to play footy, though, because we were able to not only play hard on the field, but we had so much fun off the field. There was none of these social media you know, videos and photos and we could just be ourselves. I, and to me, Crawford, it was always about like you play footy but always look forward to the weekend, whether you're having a drink with your mates or your teammates or whatever. That sort of got me through because the pressure of footy, the expectations that everyone put on you as well, I always knew I could let my hair down on, on the weekend. And uh, unfortunately for the guys now, I don't know how they do it, but <laughs> we played at such a great period. And I was going to hey, ask you Can about I just that. say that? We, we did go to Bendigo once. We did a boxer short promotion. Why do you always keep going back to that? And course? I I saw Curtis sitting in the in the corner of the nightclub and I thought, oh, he looks a bit sad. I said, you okay? And he said, oh, I'm just... Ange Christou's not here with me. I'm not <laughs> oh, God, feeling myself, you know. So he was virtually Batman and Robin, Ange Christou oh, and Cooter. That is the biggest um, Even to this going day. Around. No, that's not. That's very, very true. <laughs> There's a lot of rumours going on about Andrew and I, Croft, and don't you start spreading them again because they were not uh, not true at all. Cooter, Croft told us about when he went to Hawthorne and not too long ago they'd won the 91 Premiership in an early training session. He punched on with Andy Collins. That was his welcome to the Hawthorne Club. That was my first club. session, yep. That's a good way to start. What was it like walking into a famous Carlton footy club? I know you went through the juniors, so you did, yeah. you'd did. been there a little bit longer than Crawford and, and went through the traditional path. But what was it like in those early doors with such a great club, with such a massive history and some big names at the club? Yeah. I walked into the most remarkable club of power, success, and you know I walked in with players who had two, three, four <laughs> premierships. It was just part of the club, really. And uh, I think our culture was like, if you don't win a premiership, you, you won't be remembered here because the, everyone had it, and it was it was that sort of club. You talk about punch-ons. I've seen a few I didn't get involved with any. I would have got knocked out, I reckon, Croft. So that was good that you did it. But I've seen a few guys go for it. And it was, a, it was a hard and tough environment. And as a young kid, we had to go out of our way to approach the senior guys to become part of the team. Otherwise, mate, if you can't do that, you're going to be out of you know out of it. So it was a, li- it was a little bit different and harder back then, Croft. I mean, we talk about captains. I don't think sticks ever came to me if I was struggling, going, oh, Kuda, you're struggling, mate. What can we do to help you or anything like that? I uh, went to a couple of players at occasions and said, look, I need help or whatever. And they've gone, oh, you'll work it out. So there wasn't a lot of that yeah. going on. It was a bit of a dog-eat-dog kind of world. Yeah, uh, individual su- uh, survival, survival wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was about that. And so, you know, who, who do we help? But uh, I just, it was an incredible club just, but, you know, the leadership, it wasn't just Ker- Stephen Kernan, who was a go-down as probably the greatest leader at the footy club ever. I, I assume he would. But he, he was surrounded by 15 or 16 other great leaders as well who pushed us pre-season, who, you know, uh, you know, taught us about the culture. And we had to learn along the way. And so I learned from not just great Carlton players, I learned from, you know, legends of the game, of what they did. So I was able to look around to see what they did and learn from them and start to apply them and get a little bit better myself. And you go into battle with these guys when I first started and, it was, it was a scary thing to do, but in time, you just adjust to it. That first year, I was scared. The second year, I was scared, but not as scared. The third year, you start to go, you know what? I actually can compete against these guys and start to win a few more contests than what I do. And then eventually, you go, you know what? I can be better than these guys. And that's how I learned through that environment. We did 50, 100s my first pre-season. I, I, never, I never think I, I ran over one or two kilometres before that. It was my first football pre-season I ever did because before that, 
I was playing footy in the winter and doing athletics in the summer. And as much as Carlton wanted me to give up athletics, I never wanted to give it up. And so I never did until I signed that contract. Was that your first um, pre-season footy you did, Croft, when you got the horse? Yeah, 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 very yeah. much. And we're lifting bricks and running yeah. on the roads <laughs> yeah, and not allowed to drink roads. water. Yes. Don't drink water. Times have changed oh. there. <laughs> you get, you get fined if you're, you're not hydrated before training these days. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely old school, but as you said, Toughened you up and oh, uh, you, you needed find it, your way. Cough. Yeah, I, I think I needed it being a bit of a mummy's boy, being a European <laughs> mum who did everything for me, you know. I could just go to cry to her. But, mate, I had to grow up during that period. And our first torture camp that we went away to Narrabeen for 10 days, I think I rang mum. I was crying. I'm like, mum, please, mum, please, I can't do this. No, 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 you stay there, you stay. <laughs> so uh, it was a good. It was good to just, you know, toughen me up because I was, you know, I, I wasn't ready. I, I would definitely wasn't ready for, for senior footy and the demands of it, not to last that entire season. And then over time, though, you slowly start to adjust to it. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. How hard has it been watching Carlton in recent years? It's tough. I mean, yeah, I was so blessed that I walked in with this incredible culture. I felt like it just turned on its head overnight. And when John Elliott left, it's in, the club has never been the same, in my opinion. And uh, our culture that we built up through many decades was lost overnight. I'm not sure what it's like now. I've been out of the club now for 14 years. I've never gone back there or any involvement whatsoever. I just look from afar. I'm a supporter. I want them to win. I can't wait to go and watch the finals game. I, I, I can't wait for them to play off in a grand final. I wish I could cheer them winning premierships because it's a wonderful football club. It was, to me, being a Collingwood supporter, I was envious of Carlton. My brother broke from them. They won premierships galore. I got to this football club. It was just iconic, powerful. It was just a dream come true to spend my you know, 90s and early 2000s at that football club where we were one family, would walk into the social club and sing that Carlton theme song. We used to walk even to the Carlton Cheer Squad before the game at Princess Park. I mean, no one would ever do that anymore and see all the, you know, myself and Ange before the game as we sit at the Robert Heatley stand. You know, that, that's that gone too. So it's been very hard. I just want to see them go better. I had high expectations on them this year to make finals footy. Whether they do, they've still got time. I'm not going to write them off and say this and be critical about them. I know the players give their heart and soul to every game that they that they play. I just hope that things can turn. I, I want them to give Teague a, a go. I don't want him to feel un, you know under pressure as a coach. Hardwick needed many years to become an absolute legend. I think Bomber Thompson needed a few years too to to get his team going. We just got to give him time, you know. Even if they don't make the finals this year, do you think they're heading in the right direction eventually? Do you think they're getting Talk there? Talk to me at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I you're feel still like not they sure. Are. I felt like I really had belief and confidence in them this year. There's been a couple of games that maybe let themselves down. The weekend was one. They should have won, which would have just been a, a defining moment as a maturity of a team to beat someone like the class of Western Bulldogs. But they weren't able to get over the line. So it puts another little question mark again. They, they have played some top teams. If yeah. you look through, you know, they play, they've played Brisbane, they played Western Bulldogs, Port Adelaide, Richmond. So... They have played some good teams, yeah. so that that might be a little bit of an out. I've used that for a couple of weeks now, but um, 
they're showing it a bit. It's yeah, we just need more. We need mm. them to win a couple of those yeah. games and you gotta learn to win, don't you, Crawford? I think that's the key to it. They yeah, play like, good footy. And they we, do, they do, but they they, you well. always know they're going to switch off for a, yes. a little patch. That's the problem now. Yeah. Now is you, you go, okay, we know that they can match it, but yeah. I don't know what it is if it's a mental lapse for 15 minutes, but that's enough and that kills you. 100%. Now they've got Mackay up forward, who could be an absolute superstar. Walsh is having a phenomenal year. They've got a great defence. They, they've got, you know, they've got something there. It's not to say they're a premiership team, but they're certainly a finals contender, in my opinion. I'm not an expert at footy. I don't sit there and watch it. But I look at them and just think they've got something there to be able to play finals footy. Still got Kuno to come back up forward and Cripps for mine doesn't look 100% as well. So there is lots of upside. And if they could beat Melbourne this Sunday, that just could be the catalyst, couldn't it? They need a win. I said before the Western Bulldogs-Melbourne games that if they could steal one of those games, that, that could be the thing that just really enhanced them. They need a bit of confidence. And Crawford, I don't know if you remember, like 2001 Brisbane Bears, we played them round seven. We thrashed them by 11 goals at Princess Park. They hadn't, I don't know if they even had won a game. Then the next week they played Adelaide, they just lost. They didn't lose one game after that. I mean, it took them <laughs> quite a bit of time. And we could have, some of the players, well, one player was laughing, going, how bad at Brisbane? Well, guess what? By the end of the day, they won the premiership. I'm not saying Carlton can do that, but if they can just finish off the year, you know, just start winning games and start to believe. You just never know where they can go from there. Well, you That's never how know. When you look at Richmond and you look at the Western yeah. Bulldogs, they both did win the premiership out of effectively yes, nowhere. Correct. So it can turn very quickly. Yeah, you don't want to write them off. And, you know, easy to be critical and we've got to do this and that and whatever. Well, you know, I'm just hoping that things can change. I've been <laughs> hoping and wishing for a long time. And, uh, you know, anyway, we'll see what happens. Quinny, a man of many talents, Anthony Kudafidis. Uh, <laughs> I don't know man, about that. He is. He got oh. Kuda fit, keeps oh. a nation fit and healthy. <laughs> um, and uh, not only that, um, Gladiator. Mm. He was on Gladiators. Yeah. Who were you on Gladiator? Kuda, the Greek god. Kuda, the Greek god. I just landed okay. on Earth just for that period. That's right. That's Dancing with the Stars, he won. A winner? Yeah, yeah a win- I'll tell you what, no matter what he does, <laughs> that's right. could have headed off to the Olympics <laughs> oh. and represented Australia. Like, quite incredible, you know, as a person that he goes in, no matter what field he heads to, he dominates. He's a success. Yeah, between the two of you, I don't know if there's a reality TV show you haven't appeared on. No, no. We'll, uh, we'll no, that's, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's, Croft that's doesn't. I'm the one who takes all those things. Croft No, not. we've all had a little go. You know, you just try and pick the ones that you think you might have a bit of fun <laughs> with. But um, Dancing with the Stars, big effort to do that. Oh, massive. And then, mate, do you reckon I could ever be a gladiator? I'd be the midget gladiator, okay? They go, no, <laughs> sorry, too short. Oh, don't underestimate yourself. Too Paul. wide for uh, a gladiator. But uh, loved it, mate. Incredible stuff. So when you think about it, what he did on a football field – and uh, we're underestimating what, you know, what he's done off the field as well. Everywhere he goes, he uh, he seems to just do extremely well. And hi- obviously highly motivated, even though he plays it down. <laughs> Must, uh, behind the scenes, have a big work ethic and, you know, a real sort of clear path in the way he wants to go about things. I was waiting for a clip at the end of that. Normally he starts to give no, me a compliment and then just goes oh, back. No, I'm not no. clipping. I wouldn't no, clip. No, very good. No, he's now, a good man, Croft. You both played in a time which seemed like a wonderful time because it was the transition between being professional to full professionalism. Mm. But in that time, I loved the footy. It was a bit of old-fashioned. Meet up with people if you want to for a beer afterwards. You guys had that interaction. And I'm surprised now how little opposition players have to do with each other off the field. So was it common occurrence for you to mingle with the other teams in the off-season after games, or was it different with Croft because you had that extra work together? 
Uh, different with Croft. I don't think we ever really had intentions of you know meeting up with other players from other teams, but we, we did a bit of work together. Uh, and met multiple calendars that Croft was on the front cover of, and I was just one of those in the background there somewhere. But uh, now times were different. I think back then because the leeway into AFL footy was we I played under 19s again, played under 15s again, under 19s. So a lot of us through the under 19s went on together to, to then play reserves and senior footy. It really changed when I then got into the system. Croft may have come through the uh, the other way, but I came through the system of the zone. So at the age of 14, where I lived, the Colden, uh, was the Layla Thomastown area, was the Colden zone. So 14, sent me a letter. I've uh, gone to their training. I signed the contract. So basically, if they wanted to uh, recruit me, they already had me before the draft even started. So it was at that sort of borderline of draft zone time. And so I played under-19s, onto the reserves, and onto seniors. So I didn't really know too many players from other teams, apart from the guys that I played Tilk up with. But I was always really close just with my teammates. And so I never really, like as much as Croft was a mate of mine, he was never one of those guys like my teammates that I got, you know, grew up through the ranks of the Carlton Football Club. Now, some players are super competitive and they sometimes struggle to socialise with opposition players. Were you like that or could you differentiate between, yeah, I want to go to battle with them on the field, but then if I see them after hours, I want to shake their hand, have a chin wag and have a beer? I reckon I was 70-30. I can't say I was, you know, like truly open to the opposition. To me, I looked at them initially as a young kid as they were my opposition, you know, uh, guys. And so... I always maybe had a little bit of a wall, but as time went on and you grew and started to mature, you just started to realise that, you know, they were just like any other teammate that I played with and became really good friends and have a lot of respect for so many uh, opponents that I played with during that time as well. And some of us went to battle together on the field, but afterwards now we've become really good mates and I always enjoy catching up with them and always having a, a good chat to them. But no doubt, I think I look back to even when I was young, primary school, high school, anyone that was from another school or whatever, I just didn't want to want to know them. All I wanted to know was my teammates. I love my teammates and the rest were like opposition and, mate, we're going to battle, don't talk to me because I'm, I'm coming after you. And that was... How we played, I, that's how I felt anyway, Crawford, you might have been a bit different. But some people might say there's not enough of that now. Yeah, I think because the under-18 system, don't you think, Crawford, the, the way that they play now, the uh, the TAC Cup or whatever they, they call it, uh, they they tend to all be playing in one team but could, could be drafted to Brisbane or West Coast or whatever. So they've you know played two or three years together, their teammates, and they've all just filtered into all different clubs. So they become friends with everyone. That was a system that I was different I played at Carlton. I went to reserves, under-19s at Carlton, to the reserves at Carlton, and to the seniors at Carlton. I didn't come from that sort of background. So did you come through the zone or...? No, no, I just came... Yeah, yeah, I just came straight from school, yeah. So I I didn't do any of that, but I could imagine you... Just walking down the street and seeing someone from Collingwood, you'd yeah, obviously no. turn around and walk the other way. Well, I barracked for Collingwood. It depends who it was. <laughs> I mean, if it was Dacos, I would have run across the road and said hello to him or one of those So you barracked for Collingwood? Yeah, I did, Croft, yeah. Yeah, right. Gee, what there a mistake, you go. eh? Hey, what a mistake on yeah. Collingwood's behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. No, no, no. Hey. I'm glad I ended up at Carlton. I can imagine you would be. And <clears throat> we had a few questions come through in the last week when I said you were coming on the podcast. And yep. Joe Baresi, he said he's been a Carlton supporter since day dot. And he's always wanted to ask Kuda this question. What win did he enjoy more? The Premiership or the 99 prelim? Mate, come on. Is that a trick question or what? Like, seriously? They're both pretty good, aren't they? Nah, <laughs> nothing, nothing will come even close to that 95 premiership. To me, as a young kid, I often say it, I had a dream. I wanted to be an AFL footballer 
or represent Australia at the Olympics. And uh, I used to watch the grand finals every year. I think mum never let us watch the replays on those Saturday nights. We used to beg her, mum, please. She's like, no, not watching it. But grand final day, my brother and I would sit there all day. We'd run outside, kick the ball around. I could never have imagined playing off in a grand final at the MCG. And at the age of 22, after a little bit of a struggle in early on in my career where I struggled to become a senior player for at least three and a half years, and there I was in 95, the most remarkable season to only lose two games for the entire year. And we ended up in the grand final with Geelong being favourites. I don't know how. But I remember halfway through that last quarter being on the MCG and I'm looking around 90-odd thousand people thinking, oh my, I'm about to be a premiership player here for the Carlton Football Club. That feeling alone... When the siren went, the elation and Crawford understand too. I, I don't think you can ever surpass. And I've mentioned it many times. Like I've had three kids and they were the, one, the most incredible days of my life. But that feeling and emotion of winning a grand final with your teammates, you can never surpass. Yes, you never give up your kids with them my life now. But that emotion, that feeling that stayed with me for a long time, even to this day, you always have a special connection with your premiership teammates. And that's how I feel about that day. So as good as the 99 prelim was, it was a remarkable day. But that grand final there would always be my favourite moment forever. I, I was there on that day watching Cooter, and <clears throat> um, I was sitting right up the top of the MCG. I obviously couldn't afford very good tickets. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was great to watch, especially when you know people and you respect, you know, you, you know the opposition players. But, um, yeah, they were, they were just in... In full flight, it was uh, it was great to watch, and um, yeah, you, you can't you can't beat that moment with friends and all the hard work, and but it goes like a goes so quick. Yeah. You just wish you could bottle it and and you know really sort of carry that with you. You know everything just sort of flies really really quick in front of your eyes. Twenty six years, Croft. Since I won, wow! <laughs> won the okay, in ninety five. I don't know where it's gone. It's yeah, hard to don't imagine date anything. Time. It just doesn't bode well for anybody. Question for both of you, Croft. You can go first. Can you remember the moment when you realised you were going to win? Because I know your grand final was closer than the ninety five win, where Geelong yep. ended up losing by ten goals, or Carlton won by ten goals, I should say. With yours, it was a bit more of an arm wrestle all day, but you finally got the ascendancy. Was there a moment in time where the penny dropped, or did you not think about it till that final siren went? No, no. When probably halfway through the last quarter. Because uh, we always we were scared of Geelong because we're an incredible side. So uh, when Rick Ladson got a f- 50 from Tom Harley and then went back and he was having a shot for goal, I said to him, um, if you kick this, we're going to win the flag. <laughs> That's what I said to him before he kicked it. But do you know what? He, he's such a beautiful kick. And, you know, some players you can say stuff to like that and there's others that, you know, like a deer in the headlights, you cannot say anything. But he was one that, you know, and, and it just sailed straight through. And that's when I knew, you little ripper. That's when I started to, to take it all in. But mm. um, no, you, you never think you're done and dusted. You, you always think the opposition can mm. come back, especially today's footy. You know, standing on the mark, the way that the game can flow so quick. Um, I'd imagine, you know, there'd be a lot of nervous sides, especially late in games these days. Now, Kurta, you guys, I watched the game again yesterday. A few things stood out to me. What a great game it was. It was physical. It was rough. It was tough. And, geez, Geelong came out swinging. Yeah. You watched that game again. There was a lot of early hits and, I dare say, a lot of cheap shots. And Carlton certainly weathered the storm. We did. We uh, came up against a real uh, you know, tough team in North Melbourne the week before in the prelim. And they tend to go us more than the ball also. But we just stood up to it. Peter Dean got knocked out. Greg Williams got knocked out. But they got back up. 
nowadays they would have missed the grand final. Yeah, so that's that. how. Yeah, imagine that after that. But and, they and both, Diesel in your grand final was massive, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, he had thirty-one and kicked five, so he on was his birthday, best on grand. Yeah, and he was he was sneaky Diesel because he never moved out of the centre line. But that day he could sniff a goal. <laughs> I just wasn't cluey enough, you know. Crawford, you could have told me that, but uh, you know I'm there staying playing on the wing, but I could have easily gone up forward and just snuck in for a few goals myself. But uh, yeah, just a uh, phenomenal day. I caught up with Matthew Hogg Friday night at a promo that we did, um, a poker night, and Hard he spoke about defen- it too. Uh, a run with. Wasn't tight, he? He wasn't caught it? one from Buddha hocking early. I don't know if you've seen it, but Buddha put his elbow or his forearm into uh, Hoggy's throat. So at quarter time, Hoggy was trying to talk, but we couldn't hear him. Like nothing was coming. He's like, Ugh. so Buddha hocking gave him a beauty, but they, they went, the, uh, went the man McGrath too, and we just copped it, but we just went the ball. And then those few goals that we kicked and Ablett missed, you know, missed one or whatever. We just, we, we got them on their back foot and that was it by half time. Billy Brownless was obviously um, not happy at all. So he tackled Ange after the siren, you know, and uh, I went in there. And I think Barry Stoneham, who was on crutches, came over the fence also and jumped into the melee and it was all, it was all in. But uh, they were frustrated. We had them frustrated because we just, we continually just went hard at them but attacked the ball. And Peter Dean, to me, was probably the standout. I don't know. Did you notice he his game? He was fantastic. And, geez, he copped some late hits too. Yeah. So he was tough, Dean. You know, he was only probably a metre 88 tall or playing a centre-half back. But just all the little mm. things, you know, the people, maybe the supporters, they would have recognised it. But I think as a teammate, I looked at him and just he was the man of the day, in my opinion, because he did all those little things that made it easy for us and, and players like Diesel Wims. And he was just hard at it all day long. And, you know, all sporting Everyone just understood their role, and we went out there, and this is what happens when you play as a team and understand your role. Not everyone can be the superstar player in the, in the team, and we did that, and look at what unfolded was one of the probably best victories in a grand final. We were up by 80-odd points. We could have easily won by 100, but I think we just you know probably celebrated a bit too early or whatever we did. Not that it's a big deal, because at the end of the day, we put the medal around our neck. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for tap account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Well, we've got to talk about that magnificent prelim in 1999, described by Stephen Kernahan as the greatest quarter of footy ever played. You were instrumental. <laughs> and that day, did you go in fearing we've got nothing to lose here? We're coming up against the team that everyone just expects will beat us and go on and win the premiership. What was it like pre-game, and how good was that final quarter? Because Carlton supporters talk about that yeah. more glowingly than winning the premiership. Yeah, I think out of all the premiership, apart from the premierships, that will go down. It's probably the favourite game of all time, in particular the people that were around back then. It was just one of those occasions when we came up against our, you know, the rivals of Essendon Football Club. They had thrashed us twice throughout the year, once by over 40 points, another, another time over 70 points. And wow. so they went into this final... I think their supporters just thought it would be a walkover. And I don't blame them. I mean, they were a far more superior team than us. 
What I remember before the game, and I'm not sure if it had an effect or impact on some of the other players. I love John Elliott. Jack Elliott, to me, was the greatest president. Croft, the, the first day he came up to me and said, your day today, Cooter, when I was a young kid, one of my first early games, that was when I felt like, okay, I'm part of the family here now and part of the furniture. And I felt like if Jack wanted me to run through a brick wall, I'll do it because I just idolised him and loved him. And he was that yep. sort of president. He was a character. And um, Is that when he was handing out those big brown paper bags? It was a lot. Mine got a bit wet and I think it all slipped through and I didn't quite get it, Croft. But apparently there was a lot of that going around. So they were hey, great days when the Armoured Guard truck used to come in. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> Lucky for social media. But um, Jack came into the game uh, and he said, Kuda, I've got a funny feeling about today. And uh, I don't know, he made me think. I started thinking of the history of Carlton, how many times they won when they shouldn't have in finals. I'm thinking to myself, does he know something I don't know? And he went around saying it to all the other players, but the board just got around us. And I don't know if that 1% or 2% made a difference when we ran out. And Essendon were maybe thinking... The pressure was on them. They had to get yep. the, get through us first to get to a grand final. That 2% edge, I'm not sure. Halfway through that game, at halftime, I'm walking in thinking, we might be playing off in another grand final. I could not believe how well we were playing. Third quarter, Essendon played the way they should have played all day. They kicked seven goals, seven, and they were in, Did in they the lead. seven goals, seven? They kicked seven goals, oh seven, Croft. So I was there. I, I, I could feel the ball that day. I could read the ball. I was stuck in back pocket. I felt like I was in a cage. And so at three-quarter <laughs> time, I'm walking to the to the, to the the guys, and, um, and I was into the huddle, and I was like, please, I was looking upstairs, <laughs> please, please, just put me in the midfield. And the call didn't come. It wasn't until the last quarter. I seen our runner run to me and I said, he's going to tell me I'm in the midfield. And he said, Kuda, you're in. It was probably a minute or two in. I was just like, I didn't care who I was on or whatever. It's like, I'm just running out. I think we may have just kicked the goal, but that first bounce, Murphy then got the ball. I'm on the other side of that wing and I'm sprinting down going, don't kick it, don't kick it. And Murph must have seen me sprinting as hard as I could and just bombed the ball in, took that mark and it started. And uh, kicked that goal there, and we all just, everyone just lifted. Yeah. And uh, Merck's got the ball with about a minute to go, Barkley. He was such a dangerous player. Yeah. And uh, we always were worried about him. I reckon he would have kicked that goal 99 times out of 100. But this time he missed for whatever reason. He's standing there with his hands on pressure. his head. Yeah, the pressure of the finals. And then, you know, we got the ball out, and Dean Wallace tried to take on Matt, uh, take on Matt. Mad Dog, Fraser Brown, which was a mistake. And Brown Dog just Fraser locked him Brown, up. Yeah, hey, it's the greatest Iconic tackle. moment, yeah. Yeah, just, and he'll never be forgotten for that reason alone. And that win there, it's hard to explain. And the whole crowd were chanting, I think, <laughs> chanting, I don't know. But there would have been a lot of Cuda chants <laughs> yeah, going no, on. that was awesome, yeah. <laughs> that was just, wow. So you go into the grand final. <clears throat> yeah. And you play, who are you playing in the North grand final? Melbourne. North Melbourne. And so, because you dominate through the middle. Yeah. Did you start in the middle of the grand No. Gra- no. So that was the thing, yeah. It's like, okay, we used him, he got us in, now we're going to put him back, back to, to a back position. Pocket. But it's like, you know, why wouldn't you put, you know, it's like Bontempelli these days, the way that he sort of does his stuff through the middle and pushes forward. You know, why wouldn't you put Cooter on ball in the grand final when yeah. it's all on the line? Why wouldn't you? They in needed two of him that day. <clears throat> they needed one down back, one in the middle yeah. and... One for push forward. But, I mean, what did that take out of the team, though? Because after the game, it was rightfully like you'd won a premiership. Yeah, the celebrations yeah. were unbelievable. Yeah. Was it hard? I know this sounds silly, but was it hard to get up again for the grand final? Do you think the team was a little bit flat after all that emotion that was exerted the week before? We may have been in disbelief. You know, yeah. like, I think, we, you know, here we are, we've beaten Essendon, we're going to the grand final. You know, are we that good? Like, the question mark is, and everyone's like, 
we're going to win this. We're going to we're going to beat North Melbourne, you know. So we we're up for it, but I don't think deep down we probably weren't quite ready. Easier to say now, but I just felt like it was we win, and it's like we just did that. I can't believe it, and now we've got to back it up again. So it was such a high. The supporters were just like, I don't even care if you don't even win the premiership <laughs> yeah. because you've just been Essendon and we've stopped them from equaling us on 16 premierships. They were so happy about that. And not only that, the Essendon players were made to go and watch the grand yes, final, weren't they, they through were. Kevin Sheedy? Yes, they how, were. How hurtful would that be, you know, being made to go and watch when you know, oh, we should have been out there? Uh, that hurts. But that really that's hurts. great coaching because what happens the next year? Yes, Yeah, correct. they came out and did it again. And you're spot on with what you said, Kurt. I remember at the grand final parade, the North supporters were there, and it's like it's win or fail on Saturday, yeah. where the current supporters were acting like they'd just won a grand final, yeah. and in many ways they had. So I know it wasn't a premiership, but I know that victory still to this day puts a smile on so many Blues supporters' faces. They never forget, and I get reminded constantly about it too, that last quarter, how many uh, those points or whatever they tallied up. of those, <laughs> Super coach yeah, points. Yeah, those points. I had 100, I don't know, whatever it what, was in the in one, one quarter. quarter. Oh, that's greedy. <laughs> oh, I know. But, uh, you know, I look back too in my career and think, you know, what, what it may have been if I wasn't so versatile as a player and just played solely in the midfield that maybe I could have even achieved more than what I did. But in hindsight, to be that player that maybe changed the game a little by being able to just play forward back even in the ruck at a metre 90, 191, I'm going against these guys that are over two metres tall to play on the wing, midfield to tag people and get tagged. I experienced everything, and I guess you know inside my head I have so knowledge about so much knowledge about the game because I played in every position and understood, you know what to do. And if I had a short guy, I could take him up forward line under Wayne Britton, and they could open up the forward line, say kick it in, and I'd play there. And then if I got a you know a tall guy that may have been a bit stronger, I could run him in the midfield, and he couldn't keep up. So it was great to be able to play under Barry Mitchell, who, who you know, and Wayne Britton. Though those two there understood me and the way that I could could play and what I could do for the team and they were the ones who got the best out of me because they were just like mate you do this and do that and whatever they did it was just you know just suited me down to a T and unfortunately I didn't get trusting that. you as well it's like you you know what you can, can do and yeah. you know your opponents let him do his thing yeah it makes a big difference uh, Croft when, when a coach actually believes in you you know and you can just go out there and play the footy that you know you can play and that's what those two did was David Parkin a little bit more restrictive yeah, he was. Like, I, I often talk about Parker, and I, I love him, and I don't want to, you know, he was a wonderful coach and achieved, you know, great things, but I don't think he really understood me when I got to the club, and hence the reason why I played 50 reserve games and spent a lot of time in reserves, and I was an emotional wreck at many times as well, you know. I remember one game in the reserves, I I had 14 possessions at halftime, but then they put me in the midfield, and I ended up with 42, you know, but I still didn't get a game the next week, so... It was a bit demor- like it was hard mentally, to c- and I can understand some kids out there now who probably have, uh, you know, maybe al- you know gone through my pathway too, where, where I struggled, and I was like, he doesn't believe in me. Am I going to get a game? I knew I was better than some of the other players playing senior footy, but I never got that opportunity to really show myself. And when you play with yourself like mind and emotion, I think I was the sort of player that if a coach embraced me and understood me, I can go out there and play great footy. But then I was the other side. I could be an emotional wreck too if he just didn't let me play. And that's what maybe Parker just didn't quite understand me. And I, I felt like I maybe could have, you know, been maybe treated a little bit better. I, I love him and respect him now. And I do admire him and, you know, he achieved a lot. So I'm not putting him down in any way. And I wasn't probably the... The most um, 
coachable kid too. I know I was lazy when I got to the club and, you know, I probably didn't put in as much as I should have and maybe Parker didn't like that about me too. So I can't put all the blame on him. But as I learned through other plays what needed, what you needed to do to become a senior player and I went out there and worked that little bit harder, I probably just needed a little bit more from him. And if I didn't go and see the sports psychologist Anthony Stewart in 1994 when I got dropped, who uh, taught me these words, I can, I will, you just watch me. I used to have to highlight them in my diary. Parco then played me two weeks later after I got dropped in 94. I thought it was the end of my career. Anthony Stewart and those words changed my life as well. And then that point onwards when he played me on the wing, I never looked back from that point onwards. But I could have easily been one of those players that got into the AFL senior list and maybe became that great local player but wasn't good enough AFL easily throughout that period. But lucky those oh, two weeks in sports psychology. Well, I often think, Croft, and I always it's a like... fine line. I do, and I put it out to people too, don't ever give up or quit, because I could have easily have done that as well. And luckily I didn't. It's been a great chat today. I've loved it. We're going to finish with Croft's best bet and best multi for the weekend. And then I want to finish with both of you giving me your most underrated teammate. We're going to go with the West Coast Eagles up against the Adelaide Crows by 20-plus goals. Goals. Oh, no, what? actually, uh, hang on, sort of 20-plus <laughs> points, settle down. 20-plus points, West Coast Eagles uh, to win. Uh, they bounced back really well after being disappointed the week before. And, um, you know, Adelaide are, are developing and, and trying to find a way. So I think that's definitely the way to go, West Coast by 20-plus. If they do win by 20 or more goals, we've got the footage of you saying that, so we can pop that and up we'll next put that, Yeah, absolutely. We might Cut have to have paste. something on that just in case. All right, Kuda. Odds. Now, you better not say Ange Chris do because he'll have too much fun at yeah, your expense. No, but who was your most right. underestimated teammate? I reckon it was uh, Adrian Hickmont. Yep. Hickmont was just tough and hard. I remember yes. one game against Port Adelaide. He ran with a fly to the ball. He got knocked out. I reckon he lost two or three teeth. And he came back on 10 minutes later and did the same thing again and got knocked out. He was just a hard and tough, good country lad, great teammate on and off the field. So to me, Hickey, for what he did, for he got what um, Wayne Britton would describe the Fredo Frog Award every week for being the tough. He just was the toughest player on our team every single week. And what was the Fredo Frog Award? I was just being the toughest guy every week. So he just handed it to him. He lost his teeth. Me, oh, I would have gone home. You so know, so he crying. won a Fredo Frog? Yeah. Is that it? Well, that was obviously enticing enough for him to go and lose his teeth. <laughs> wow. That's how much he loved Fredo Frogs. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to do that. I was like, mate, you can keep that. <laughs> so Hickey, yeah, was a man. Hickey for you. What about you, Croft? Uh, most underrated. Well, just, just the unsung heroes. Like, a guy for us who was massive playing on all the very best uh, opposition midfielders, you know, like, you know, whether it be playing on Brett Ratton at Carlton when Rats was up and about, or if it's Greg Williams or um, Gary Hocken and so forth, was Tony Woods. He'd just go about his job, get it done each week, make it really tough for them. And you admire those, I call them blue-collar workers, that they just go to work, you know what you're going to get, they make it difficult for the opposition, they give you every chance to to hopefully try and win the game. So, What about yeah. Chicky, Daniel Chick? Daniel Chick, oh yeah, he was, you know, but he had a bit of X factor about him too, you know, he, um, and he just, he had a, a breakout year where he just all of a sudden was pencil thin. Next year, he came back with all these muscles and he just, he always had explosive pace and, mm. and he went on with West Coast and he was super important when they won the flag against uh, the Sydney Swans because the role that he would play. But, um, you know, Angelo Lekas was mm. one that was, was always under the radar, but he was, was you go back and look through what he would bring each week was pretty incredible. So yep. I think every team, you've got so many, you go through every year, you find an, one or two that yep. just stand out clearly. 
or Crawford Cooter. It's been absolutely sensational today. I've loved having a wander down memory lane with you both, and you're both doing so well now. So thanks very much for joining us, Cooter. No worries. Thank you, Quinny. Appreciate it. What a legend, Anthony Good, good to be with Crawford. Hey? Love of the, the guy. Absolute greats. And Crawford, you'll be back again next week. <laughs> thanks, mate. Punish, you've been listening to Inside 50. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858.